Hear the word of God from another of the great chapters of the Bible, the twelfth of the book of Romans. We begin to read at the first verse. Romans, the twelfth chapter, the first verse. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I bid everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith which God has assigned him. For as in one body we have many members, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our servicing, he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who contributes in liberality, he who gives aid with zeal, he who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Never, never flag in zeal, be aglow with the Spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in your hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints practice hospitality. Amen and amen. Like many of you, I've been spending the last ten days as close to the open fireplace in the living room as one can possibly be. And it dawned on me about five days ago that never before in my life have I been so dependent upon the open fireplace to supplement heat than in this particular time at my life. And I'm sure you too have burned up a lot of wood and some coal and whatever else you use to help the energy crisis by supplying additional heat to your homes other than through the natural system. And as I was working on the fireplace, I kept being haunted by a verse of Scripture, this 11th verse of the 12th chapter of Romans, especially as it is translated by James Moffat in his great translation, where he translates that particular Greek in this English way. Maintain the spiritual glow. 
maintain the spiritual glow. And every time I'd get down in there with the poker and try to stir the coals, I kept hearing this same verse, maintain the spiritual glow. Or you're going to get cold, Dick, you're going to get cold. That was the inspiration for this particular sermon. Because as I see it, we are supposedly God's coal. We are the people who he has entrusted and infected with fire, and we are the people who are to be maintaining the spiritual glow in this world, especially at the time of crises. We are the people in God's sight who have been granted that ability to have a spiritual glow. Notice the verb, as Mr. Moffat translates it. Maintain. Maintain. It's not go out and get it. It's not try to find it. It's not even pray for it. It's maintain the spiritual glow. Paul was a good Reformed theologian. And as a part of the Reformed tradition, you see, it is our belief that we have the fire. Humbly, we must say it, but nevertheless, we are shirking our responsibility if we claim we don't have the fire, because we have it, because God gave it to us. If you are an individual who's had a confrontation with God through Jesus Christ, if you call Christ your Lord and Savior, if you have been baptized in the Trinity, that is, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you have the fire. John the baptizer, when he told about the coming of the Christ, he says, I baptize you with water, but he whose shoelaces I'm not even worthy to tie or untie, he will come and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And you remember when the Holy Spirit came, it was revealed unto those people at Pentecost with the blowing of the wind and with little tongues of fire. We have the fire. We don't have to get it. We've got it. And it's our responsibility as people of God, as the Christian community, to maintain the spiritual glow. And the world is rather weak today. And maybe part of the reason is that some of us are not glowing enough. How do you maintain the spiritual glow? And here's where I'm trying to help with Scripture and with the experience that comes from your fireplace and mine. I found that if I was going to keep those coals burning, and I've been continuously trying to do that since a week ago last Friday, it's very difficult when you're in and out of the house as much as some of us are. You have to be very careful and you've got to give a lot of planning and you've got to give it some work. And I found, first of all, to maintain those, spirit, those coals in my fireplace up at north of Eden, I must be constantly stoking, poking, and allowing wind to be blown upon those coals. 
I did a very foolish thing one day this past week. Maybe some of you did likewise, but the night before, I had a roaring fire going, and I sat there as long as I could, trying to keep warm. And when I thought I had everything properly banked and enough fuel to carry through the night, I went and retired and went to bed. And when I woke the next morning, getting up in a very cold bedroom, I immediately went into the living room, hoping to see the fire still ablaze. It was not. And I thought the fire was out. And having an enormous gas bill and not wanting to heat the atmosphere in Richland Township anymore, I went over and I closed the damper. And then I immediately went about my work. You're ahead of me. <laughs> yes, within a very short time, I felt the numbness that comes with that dull smell of burn, cannel, coal, and wood, and I immediately realized the fire was not out. And I went back into the living room, and there was a haze of smoke, and I immediately opened up the damper again. And I stuck my hand in the fireplace, and sure enough, there was some warmth. And I grabbed the poker, and I began immediately to disturb, poke, jar, rattle, those particular coals, and with good, tense lips, blown cheeks, and with a big lungful of air, I blew upon those particular coals, and they were as hot as fire. And though the fire appeared out to me, and I'm sure to anyone with a casual observance, it was not. The coals were still glowing, but you could see the glow only when there was a little poking and a little stoking and a little disturbance and as a result of the blowing of the wind. That's the way it is. Remember Ezekiel and in the valley of the dry bones, we sing about it. Don't you remember the word of the Lord came saying, Can these bones live? The Lord said, Yes, they can. If you prophesy, if you give them the word of the Lord, Ezekiel, if you give them the word of the Lord, those bones, those bones will get up and walk around, and I will give into them the spirit, the breath of life. And Ezekiel preached, and he prophesied, and he gave them the word of the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord came and blew breath into them, and they became living beings. 39th chapter of Ezekiel. And those bones, those dry bones, they got up and they walked around. All because they heard the word, and because the Spirit of the Lord blew upon them. That's the way it happens, people. That's the point I tried to make last week. The Spirit of the Lord is blowing upon us today. The Word of the Lord is coming to us in a way that I've never seen it come in all of my ministry. People are getting excited. The Word of the Lord is jabbing, disturbing, poking, and rattling some of us. And though it's a little difficult, a little hard to understand from time to time, I see on the horizon wonderful things happening. Good people 
who are supposed to have the spiritual glow but have looked dead for a while are coming back to life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And that's the salvation that I'm so excited about now. And I'm very thrilled that the Lord has allowed me to be alive in this particular time. Some of you people are very much involved in it. It's never, never easy because the Lord's poking us. The Lord is stoking us in many a many a way. This has been weighing heavily upon my mind in the last couple of weeks. It's difficult for us folks, you and me both, but we've got to face it. I thought Tuesday when I read the front page of the Post-Gazette, what is the Lord trying to say unto us? Did you read it? Beside all these articles on the energy and the school closings and everything else, there were three articles all right there on the front page. One, a boy in this community who was convicted of a murder now is to be set free by the action of the state Supreme Court because they claim he was convicted only on circumstantial evidence. Two, Mr. Boyle, who is serving three consecutive life terms, now is to get a new trial after the most costly trial that Washington County has ever known. And three, a woman who is convicted for being somewhat responsible for the death of her lover was given the sentence of 30 days in jail, but the judge told her she could take it whenever she wanted to fulfill it. And I thought, Lord, what are you trying to tell us? In one day, one day. You know, what's wrong with our judicial system? I know in America and in this great free land, a person is innocent until proven guilty, but how many times do you have to prove that person guilty? I'm not sure anything's wrong with the system, but I'm afraid some of the people who are to employ the system need to have somewhat of a vision of what it means to be people who do justice. I'm not quite sure of a president of a land who commutes the sentence of a convicted criminal to come to work in his home. That's his business. But when there are so many people in this world out of work who need help and who have a track record of being good people, I sometimes wonder what we're trying to do. Karl Barth was so right when he said a Christian today must have his Bible in one hand and the newspaper in another. And ladies and gentlemen, John Camel prayed for us today that we would have the ability to have our ears opened, our eyes opened, and our lips capable of speaking the good news. And I believe that prayer is going to be answered. I'm upset. And I'm hoping some of you will get a little upset, stoked, poked, and get those coals burning again. The Lord's speaking to us. We are talking in a meeting of ministers the other day. I wonder what the Lord is trying to tell us with all this cold air. You know, He is the King of the air and the wind and the snow, and don't forget it. And though we may have an energy crisis, remember the Lord is one who is the King of all energy. 
Maybe God is trying to tell us in our sufficient, affluent society, we who can put people on the moon, that maybe we need to look at our priorities nationally. Maybe we need to be people who get a little bit of that good old common sense of rugged individualism that our grandparents had, where three inches of snow doesn't close everything down, and where people can bite the bullet, face the problems, and not give up, but climb over them. God speaking. And you and I have the ears to hear. As Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. The wind of the Lord is blowing. Let us set our sail to the course that he's calling us to follow. Get stoked up, stirred up, poked. Let the wind blow upon you. That's the way you maintain the spiritual globe, one way. Secondly, it's by sticking together. Sticking together. The Christian community loses its power when it separates itself. Just like they're at home. I've got to keep those coals bunched together if they're going to burn. They've got to reflect from one another, so must we. We get heat and light from each other. We get warmth and radiation when we reflect each other. Surprising when we get 400-some people are in here today. You know, the temperature's gone up about 4 degrees, 5 degrees in here simply because we're here. And when you're not here, something happens to you and something happens to us. We all diminish in our spiritual glow. You know the old story about the preacher who went to see the man who continuously was absent from church it's always tough for us to go see those people. What do you say to them? You'd like to give them a good boot in the pants, but you don't dare. What do you say to somebody who says he's a member of a church, but you never see his body body in here, and you never he never puts a dollar in the offering plate? What do you say to him? This preacher, he got the courage, and he went. And the man was always nice, as they always are, he invited him in to sit down in front of his warm fireplace where there was a tremendous blaze burning to keep warm. And after they exchanged the pleasantry of the day, the preacher attempted to attack the subject. Why haven't you been in church? We've missed you. The man was waiting for the opening, took advantage of it. One, he didn't know too many people in church, and two, those who he did know he didn't like. Three, a couple of those people cheated him in business. Four, he didn't like the hymns. Five, the choir wasn't much good. Six, I don't like your sermons. Fact seven, I don't like you. <laughs> he was listing all these things which he thought justified his absence from church. They really weren't reasons, merely excuses, but we're used to hearing those around the church. And the preacher, he was wise enough and controlled his temper enough that he didn't bother argue. He just took the tongs from beside the fireplace, reached in and took out one coal, lifted it out and placed it by itself on the hearth, never saying a word, but just playing with that coal so that the man, using the excuse, couldn't help but look and watch what was going on, even though his mouth was going a mile a minute. And that coal got darker and darker and darker. That lone coal got colder 
and colder and colder and last there was that one last flicker and it nothing the man got the prayer message he said preacher I'll see you in church next Sunday we need you and you need us I'm not speaking to you people before me you're here but I'm talking to you radio people you ought to be here You've got to stick together. We need each other because this is where we reflect. This is where we give light. This is where we give warmth one to another. You can't do it by yourself. If you're going to maintain the spiritual glow, you need us even if you don't like us. You need us. Three, you have to feed that fire. That was my biggest problem this past week, is knowing just how much coal and how much wood to put in there until I could get back to tend it again, because I knew if I didn't figure, if I didn't feed it regularly, it was going to go out. And we need to be fed, ladies and gentlemen, and here's how you get fed. Right there, that book, the Holy Bible. How does the psalmist say it? This word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This word is written for our edification, our illumination. This word is profitable for doctrine, reproach, teachings, and the things of righteousness. Remember those two men on the Emmaus Road when Jesus met with them? Remember how they recognized him later? Then they said, remember how our hearts burned within us as he opened to us the scriptures. Oversimplifications are what preachers use all the time, but I don't think I'm oversimplifying when I say, folks, the answers are right there. But it takes more than just carrying your Bible. It takes more than just hearing a preacher for a half an hour speak about it on Sunday, it means that you've got to get into the Word. It means you must become saturated with the Word. You must know the Word and obey the Word. That's how you're fed. And believe me, a church is power is directly proportioned to the people who are in the Word of God. And the glow the spiritual glow in your life will be dependent upon the Word of God that lives in you. That's the secret, the Word of God. You have to be fed. One, you have to be poked, be willing to be poked or allowed to be poked and the winds to blow upon you. You've got to stick together. Three, you've got to be fed. And four, you have to be willing, sacrificially, to burn out, to burn out. That may sound a little strange, but I hope this will help to illustrate it. There are three ways that you can spend your life. Three ways. God doesn't force any one of them upon us. It's our invitation to decide which way we're going to live. One, you can wear out. Two, you can rust out. And three, you can burn out. To wear out, kind of implies that you're going here, there, yon, racing, always filled with anxiety, a great amount of stress and strain, trying to get a lot of things done, but really accomplishing very little. To rust out, I understand, means you just deteriorate. You have a talent, ability, but you don't use it. You, you just kind of let it 
deteriorate within you. But to burn out means that you are wasted, yes. But your waste is being turned into warmth and light and inspiration to other people. What a way to end this life, to be burned out. And I think that's the way every one of us would like to go. And this afternoon, we're going to lay to rest an individual who burned herself out. And what a great way to go. Ruby Fredley. We're sure going to miss her around here. You know, at the time of her death, just let me tell you what she was involved in teaching. She was tutoring some people in her home. She had an income tax business, was a notary public, worked very closely with retired people. She was in the women's Bible study here on Tuesday mornings, co-director of our 4-H group was teaching and volunteering at St. Barnabas' home and also at St. John's Lutheran home in Mars. All of this she was doing, 76 years old, retired from formal teaching several years ago. Elder teacher, I looked over a record, she did everything in this church but sing in the choir and park cars. What a way to go. When I was called to the hospital the other night, and in the intensive care unit of Passivan Hospital, with her family around her bedside, and we prayed, I had the feeling then that we were seeing the last embers of a glowing fire die. Within a few hours, she was dead. But she died the way she lived, burning herself out. That's the way I want to go. And I think you want to go that way too. And we can have the choice. But you decide it not just at the time before death. You decide today, as Ruby decided somewhere in her life, that she was created by God, loved by God, and was to burn herself out by helping people to know the warmth of God's love and the light of His presence. We can do that. Because we have the fire. Nobody can take it away from us. But we'll lose it if individually we do not maintain it. Amen. Father, you gave it to us. Help us not to lose it. And now may the grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.